I really need to do this post about gender issues specifically uh, I'm gonna say specifically around kids but I'm actually gonna say that this is a pervasive problem that starts the moment uh, before they're born and then uh, continues throughout our entire life uh, at least within this culture that I've grown up which is North America um, you know whatever uh, Canada city life um, and I've been very I I guess very passionate have taken a deep interest in gender issues starting I think like consciously when I was in undergrad because I started actually doing research at that point in and part of what I was doing uh, in the laboratory was looking at sex differences in brain development and in the development of certain uh, skills or, or cognitive performances and literally looking at how the hormones were influencing that. And we had very clear data. This was looking at it in animals, in rats, and we had very clear data that certain skills, spatial skills, were mediated by hormones. So having lots of testosterone like males do uh, resulted in better performance on certain spatial tasks, like spatial memory mazes that the rats had to navigate. Uh, having low testosterone, which you would see in the females, meant that their performance was reduced. And when we would manipulate those hormones in various ways and boost the testosterone in the females and reduce the testosterone in the males, we saw that those uh, diff sex differences started to uh, change. So females got better, males got worse, and there was this nice little like curve that we would see, this kind of dose dependent curve related to the amount of testosterone and and we also saw that this was like had a developmental uh, trajectory so like we didn't see a lot of differences early on but then after the rats hit their puberty we would start to see the differences and this mimicked what the data were showing in the humans as well and not our data but other people's data so um so in addition to doing that, I also started working on a university-wide project that was uh, called Mentoring the Success and Persistence of Women in Science. And we were looking at lots of different factors of what were, of the factors that were related to the success and persistence of women in science. Because back then, this was in the mid-90s, we still had a lot of data that were showing that men and women were pretty equally represented at the undergraduate level, but when you looked at graduate school or professional programs, there were more uh, men, uh, so we weren't using the term cis men, but this would have been referring to cis men and cis women, were the ones who were, so just to back up, I assume most people listening to this know what that means, but cis male means or cis man means that the gender that you identify with is consistent with the sex that you were assigned as birth, whereas trans man and trans woman refers to the sex um, that you were 
assigned at birth is different than the gender that you identify with. And so it wasn't, it's not aligned. So anyway, most of the stuff back then and still today refers to uh, men and women, but is actually mostly referring to cis men and women. So anyway, those, those data exist from back then showing that it trailed off. So a lot of cis women were not participating in higher education. They weren't becoming, you know, I mean, this is, we were looking just at science and like the medical professions, but I mean, you can talk about this at business levels and everything, but clearly in the sciences, we saw this drop off of women as the education went on. And then in terms of the types of jobs they were also getting. So I got pretty immersed in the idea of uh, gender issues. So the women, it was all uh, cis women who were working on these projects. So three primary investigators who I started working with, and they were all very strong feminists. And, um, and then the sort of next level under those PIs were also there was at least one other person who was a pretty strong feminist. And so I got immersed into this culture and basically fell in love with it. I fell in love with the idea that there were uh, issues that were affecting women differently than they were affecting men. And so this was my first like academic encounter with gender issues. Um, But if I look back to my life, I mean, and I come from a, a, a life, a, a family who are not university educated. So, you know, I don't, I didn't come from a very well educated family on either side. And my mom or my dad's, including my parents, weren't university educated at that time. And so I wasn't privy to a lot of these more like academic and intellectual concepts. And so really, I didn't know much about feminism. I don't know why we didn't talk about it in school. Maybe it was because I was going to school in the 80s and 90s, and so that just wasn't what we were teaching kids. It's very different than now. That being said, okay, so that was, undergrad was my first real experience with, like, thinking about feminism, but I definitely experienced gender issues growing up because I was a, I was an athlete. I identified more as an athlete than I did as an academic back then. I wasn't really interested in school. I was really interested in sports and I played a lot of sports. So I played soccer, I played ringette. I eventually started playing hockey when finally women's hockey became a thing that women could actually play on their own as opposed to the like three women in Winnipeg, three girls in Winnipeg of all Winnipeg who actually played hockey. And I grew up with playing ringette because it was a sport that was designed specifically for girls to play because girls weren't allowed to play hockey. I loved playing ringette, but I also have a lot of mixed feelings about ringette because I loved the skills that I got. I loved the coaching that I got from my dad and some of my friends' dads. It was all dads who were coaching us. Uh, One of the dads was a you know, was drafted to the NHL and had two daughters. And so he was really committed to the equality of women and girls. And from a lot of my friends, my sports friends, my girl sports friends, we got amazing mentorship and support from the men in our lives to help us feel like we could do anything that was available to us. 
we didn't get a lot of support to push the boundaries and and seek things that weren't available to us. So we we worked as hard as we could within the constraints that we were given. So we were allowed to play hockey. We weren't sorry. We were allowed to play ringette. We weren't allowed to play hockey. So I actually didn't start playing hockey until grade twelve. And the reason, and so at that time I decided to play hockey and ringette. Uh, I played both and I fell in love with hockey and I loved hockey. It was more aggressive. Like I spent a lot of time getting penalties in ringette. I was really good at ringette, um, but I was aggressive. I was a really aggressive player. I was a gritty, I, oh, I have always been a gritty player. I'm a digger, I'm a grinder. And I would manage that energy in ringette, but then I started playing hockey and I just felt this like freedom to play because it, it wasn't different. There was no body checking for girls in hockey, but it was, it was, you were allowed to like nudge each other in a different way. Ringette, you weren't allowed to even touch each other. So I fell in love with hockey and I started playing hockey in grade 12, uh, had very little coaching. I played women's hockey. So whatever, all this other stuff happened. And I played, you know, women's hockey in undergrad um, I quit for my master's because there was no real hockey. There kind of was, but we basically played at 11, 12, and 1 o'clock at night, and I had like 8 a.m. classes and labs that I had to teach, so like I just couldn't manage it. Then I get to Dalhousie. I decide I want to play in the women's league. I play one half year of this like shitty hockey, and then somehow I realized that Dalhousie had a women's hockey team, and so I tried out. And I started to play and I played varsity hockey and I wasn't good. I was like the bottom of the roster. And I always like, there's a part of me that's bitter about that because I was playing with girls, women, young women who had, so, cause I'm doing my PhD. So I'm like approaching 30 and I'm playing with all these undergrads who are like 17, 18. I actually turned 30 while I was like part of the team. I think by that it was my year after and I was coaching or I think I actually did play. I was turned I turned 30 the year I was my last year of hockey. Playing with 17, 18 and 19 year old women who had spent their entire life playing hockey because they grew up. They were born in the 80s and and many of them had opportunities to play hockey. Uh, it was just different. Some of them still didn't and they were playing on the boys teams, but a lot of them played girls hockey. And I never had that opportunity. So there's a part of me that's uh, still a bit bitter because I spent my life playing I spent my four years three years playing varsity hockey not being at the top of the team because I didn't have this I didn't have the experience that these other girls had if I'd had that those experiences I guarantee I would have had a different experience playing varsity hockey I would have been at the topper end like I was a really good skater I was fast and again I could grind I can whatever I realize I'm getting into a lot of these details because it relates to this bigger issue of gender inequality and gender issues because what are we allowed to do as women? We have historically been given different options and different opportunities from our male counterparts. So I'm not even getting into like racial issues or socioeconomic issues. I'm just right now want to talk about like gender as a restriction on what we're allowed to do. And I see this 
like, you know, this has just like affected my sports life in so many ways because boys used to make fun of us for playing ringette. You know, we never had role models. We didn't have girls or women on TV that me, when I was growing up, there were no women on TV playing sports. So the opportunities to like have a professional life in, in sports was pretty much nothing. Like there, you know, unless you had very amazing experiences and happened to have like the right women come through your life to mentor you, other Olympians or something, we were not exposed to that. Like the average girl, even like the, you know, competitive average, like I played decent level of my other sports, like in soccer, I was going to nationals and stuff. Like I, you know, I, I could play, but there were no, like women's hockey wasn't in the Olympics. The year that the women's hockey was announced that it would be in the Olympics was the year I joined fucking hockey. The year that I signed up because I finally had an opportunity and I'm getting really emotional right now. And I'm actually holding my tears back because if I really dive into this, it is such a loaded and emotional concept for me. And I'm not, I'm going to ignore all the other issues where I feel like women are disadvantaged in business. Uh, so I, like science, like I didn't, I haven't felt that as much because I kind of went into science a little bit later, but that's definitely true, but I'm not going to get into that. So for me, the very personal part is sports. And then the bigger issue is that I hate that we allow and perpetuate these opportunities that are specific for men or specific for women. And I can also see lots of places where men don't have the same equality, like nursing, uh, midwifery, teaching, um, you know, anyway, being stay at home dads, like there's lots of places where men don't have the opportunity to do what women do. And that is a problem for me. That is a problem across the board. Now, fast forward, take all these emotions, uh, and, and then have a baby um, it kills me what happens at the very beginning before the baby is even born. People are asking, do you know what the sex is? We chose not to find out what the sex was. That was our choice. Lots of people do gender fucking reveal parties. Have you seen the people who are having gender reveal parties? Like it's unbelievable that you have a party to showcase what the gender is. First of all, I don't think that that's gender. I think at the very least, if you want to have a sex reveal party, because I think sex is what you, what your, your body comes out as, uh, at the very, uh, surface level, it's what genitals you have. If you have a penis or you have a vulva, that's what you can see. Uh, that also doesn't necessarily mean that your genetics are male or female or some version in between. Uh, it doesn't mean that your hormone levels are responding properly and that you'll actually develop into a male and female. Like there's all these like places where, uh, that binary is, is questioned, uh, from a genetics perspective, a hormonal perspective, a brain development perspective, an anatomy 
internal anatomy, reproductive anatomy, external reproductive anatomy, like that, that binary is not a true binary. Like there's evidence against that always holding up. So there's that sex, fine, have a sex reveal party if you really fucking want to. But then there's also this other, the use of the word gender, which I, I like the idea and I subscribe to the idea that gender is what you identify as. And that may not be what your anatomy dictates or what you were assigned as birth, at birth. So gender is my gender identity, what I say, whether I think I'm a boy or a girl, a man or a woman. I use sex, male and female, to refer to like the sex and man, woman, um, boy, girl as what you identify with, which may be aligned with your sex and may not be aligned with your sex. So that's like another issue from the very beginning. So if you decide not to so gender reveal parties, I think, are absolutely insane. I feel like, I mean, really, I guess it's no more insane than, like, me calling our baby a he when he was born. Uh, but anyway, so, yeah, maybe there's a bit of hypocrisy in that. But uh, I can hate myself for doing that, too. Like, I'm not, I can, I can judge myself for that. And that was one thing that I wish that I called him they. And I have tried really hard to refer to other kids as they I do it about 50% of the time I wish I did it 100 I do it when I don't know the kid like at the playground but then once I know the kid and everyone else is using it I usually use that term and that may not be what the child actually wants so I shouldn't do that and I'm trying not to um but my god what am I at right now I've been talking for 17 minutes 18 minutes so there's just like so I tried along with my partner my husband my uh, person I'm living with and loving with and parenting with tried to uh, consciously did a a gender expansive um, child rearing practice which makes that sound very technical but basically I wanted to be expansive and allow our child to feel all genders and participate in activities that were both genders or all genders or whatever and so that's different from being gender neutral um, which is to not be either gender and uh, some people choose that, and I think that's that's fine. I personally love the idea of like giving them exposure to like both ends of the spectrum. And unfortunately, what that means when they're kids is the type of clothes that they get to wear at the very beginning, uh, and what kind of shit they put in their hair. Like girls put, parents put bows in girls' hair. They rarely put that in boys' hair. We did put little bits like barrettes in his hair. Um, The girls are wearing the dresses. The boys don't typically wear dresses. Uh, Colors. Girls wear pink and purple. Boys wear gray and blue and green. And depending on the shade of purple, if it's like a deep like plum purple, that would be more boy-ish. The 
uh, light purple would be more like girlish. But like you walk into any stupid store and there's two sections. There's a boy section and a girl section and it nauseates me. It kills me. And then in addition to the like colors, it's like what's on the shirts. Girls have sequins. Boys don't have sequins. All this like sequin fun shirts, that's in the girl section. Uh, Flashy, sparkly stuff, girls. Like I'm stating the obvious. And if you don't have children, go walk through a children's store and look at how, maybe you won't be disgusted, but I certainly am disgusted every time I walk in there. It's really hard to find um, like a mixing and a matching. So as a rule to do gender expansive, I bought a lot or had hand-me-downs from my friends with girls or go to the the other section and get girl clothes um I mean even value village does like I think right now the one around us does not gender um and we also go to a place called bumbleberry which doesn't have gender they just put all the clothes together which is really wonderful so that's nice um but I try to pick a variety and and so there's days where my child looks like a girl and there's days where my child looks like a boy and then there's days where it's ambiguous based on their clothing and that's been very intentional and oh fuck I just realized I'm getting exhausted just talking about this it's been 21 minutes and it's so it's just exhausting it's everything about parenting is exhausting but like this issue is so dear to me and let me just like jump forward okay so like there's ample examples of how much we gender our children from like the moment that they are conceived the moment that we get that very first ultrasound if we choose to get an ultrasound that shows their anatomy to you know what kind of adjectives we use when we see a a baby and learn that it what sex it has been assigned it's appalling actually the way we gender children um I'm going to give you one example because this is pretty poignant. I was on, we were all on the airplane and there was a, we were taking a flight, the three of us. And my little son was, had a medical kit, uh, which was one of the toys, the activities for the plane ride. And we were getting off the plane ride. We were all waiting there and he's carrying his little medical kit and another older man who was probably retired, definitely retired age, and looks, so everyone started commenting like, oh, she was so good on the plane. And I hadn't corrected them, but often people think that he's a girl. And I just usually don't say anything because I actually, part of my rationale for doing gender, or part of my practice of doing gender expansive rearing was that early on I would let people think that he was a girl because I would it would shower him with different kinds of experiences because they would say things like so kind um so sweet you know and and also some really terrible things like oh you're gonna have to watch out for the boys around this one which would would kill me but anyway uh so we're sitting there and I don't correct them which I I have since done because that this incident prompted me to ask 
him if he actually identified as a girl or a boy. And he's told us that he, he thinks he's a boy. So we now correct people. Anyway, this hadn't happened yet. And so we're sitting there. And then this man, this older man, looks at him and says, says something, asks about his medical kit and, and says, oh yeah. And then I, I think, I don't know what he said or how it happened. It's blurry now, but basically when he said it was his medical kit, um, the man said, oh, so you're a nurse. And I said, no, he's a doctor. I said, no, a doctor. I didn't say he, but I said, no, a doctor. And, and then I can't remember what happened, but I was so enraged by that comment because it's this, it, you know, so I was enraged for two reasons. One, this person there, because he thought that our child was a girl, just gave him a comment, just assuming it was a girl said, you need, you are a nurse because you are a girl. I'm like, imagine all the girls out there who are getting this told to them, you know, one time, two times, three times, I don't know how many times this happens, but it happens because there's still people out there who believe men and women can do different things. So that enraged me. Um, Basically that enraged me that it's like, I'm fine with him being a nurse. And maybe now that I think of it, I shouldn't have corrected it because he can be a nurse. He totally can be a nurse because he's a boy. And that's one of the things that uh, men are less likely to do. But the fact that he thought this was a girl, and oh my God, I'm just realizing that I shouldn't have corrected it. And I miss that opportunity. Shit. I just like shut down the idea that he could be a nurse and instead said he was a doctor. And as a boy, that's wrong. But as a girl, yeah, sorry, I'm having this moment. Maybe you realized that earlier on, but I didn't. Anyway, let me just go on to say that this is why it's so annoying that we have these prescribed opportunities for boys and girls. And it is, it is so wrong. I want every child to feel like they can be whatever they want. And it doesn't matter that their gender does not dictate anything, what they should say, what they should act like, what they should play with, how they should play, you know, not just boys have energy, girls have energy, not just girls speak earlier, boys can too, like there's so many places, like the fact that we think girls speak better because we have seen we do know that there's evidence that girls have better verbal skills than boys okay but but the fact that we we think that in this perpetuate this this idea is perpetuated means that when girls start talking they there's a very good chance that we encourage them in a different way than when boys start talking and maybe girls are a little bit more generally speaking maybe just have like a little bit more of a nuance than boys, but we encourage the girls more because we think that they're supposed to speak better and quicker and earlier and with more language and all these other things. Like there's like, we are totally underestimating how much of an influence our gender stereotyped eyes are affecting the way these kids are growing up. And also it is, it's 
I think it's worse now. I think it's worse in 2019 than it was in 1975. Sorry, I shouldn't say it's worse. There's different places where it's worse. It's changed from like the clothing industry kills me. The, that just like what they're like. And I think that that is so not trivial. Like it is, it is such a way of segregating kids that is absolutely unnecessary. And I, the, the, I think the fashion industry should be ashamed of themselves. I think they should stop it. I think we need huge change there because those things that happen early on are going to last for like ever. The fact that we had a situation, many situations where what is worn is actually affected who he plays with. And so if he is always wearing boys clothes, he only gets to play with boys. And he doesn't learn what it's like to play with girls. And I'm not saying that that's exclusive, but like that is what's happening. That's what I'm seeing on the playground. Boys are playing with boys. Girls are playing with girls. And I honest to God do not think that it's all just because they, there are sex differences. I used to think a lot of that. But having watched how much we gender children, I see that this is, there's something we are doing this. We are doing so much of this. Anyway, so this is my, my philosophy that it has turned into a little bit of a rant. But what I want to do is share some ways that this has come out. So there's um, a talk or a conversation that Mike and I have about me grappling with this as Asher goes to school because then that makes, that changes things. That really changed things for me that I've lost um, a, a level of control over that, because uh, I can't control the way other parents are raising their kids, even though I would admittedly like to, because I think that the way we gender is, is I really think it's harming. It's harmful. It's harmful for uh, the divisiveness that it creates and the segregation between boys and girls. And as a girl who has grown up in a woman's world, these the that segregation is the a root of how we end up being segregated for the, our entire life and i i absolutely disagree with the segregation of men and women uh which is one of the reasons i won't get into this rant but i also think bathrooms the fact that we have segregated bathrooms perpetuates this in a way that is like anything but trivial it is actually ridiculously uh, important to have gender neutral or genderless bathrooms, bathrooms just for like human beings, because, uh, I shouldn't get into this, but the interactions that I've had with people. So, uh, at some places that I work, like the, uh, center for social innovation on Bathurst, they have these great genderless bathrooms where it's literally just like stalls that you go in and then everyone washes their hand together. The way I feel about, um, that energy of washing your hands beside a man, me being a woman, knowing that we have all just done something in the bathroom, change, it changes something. It feels like there's a different energy between us. It's like, because I know when I go into a bathroom with other women, it's this like leveling playing field. I've always felt like that when I've gone into like bars, bathrooms and bars or restaurants or whatever. It's like once we're all in the bathroom, 
I don't care what kind of makeup you're wearing. I don't care what you're wearing for clothes, your shoes, how much money you have. Like nothing matters when we're all in the bathroom because we all just did a very common human thing. So it equates the human experience, I think. And the fact that we haven't been letting men and women do this together has been a problem, I think. And I think going to genderless bathrooms is actually, would make a huge dent in desegregating men and women. Because when I feel like I'm washing hands beside a man who just came out, I know we're just humans. We both just took a shit or we both pissed or whatever we did in there, we both just did it. Okay, we both just like we're humans and we took advantage of being humans. We took advantage of this toilet system and all this other stuff, but I definitely won't go there right now. Uh, so, yeah, I, I absolutely advocate for genderless washrooms, human washrooms, and I'm definitely advocating for like genderless clothes, just like clothes, wear clothes. It doesn't matter. It's all clothes. No boys and girls sections like my God, we need to get rid of boys and girls sections. It's absolutely appalling to me. <sighs> okay, so here I'm sharing a conversation that I have with my four-year-old after he tells me that someone at school called him a girl. One of his friends called him a girl and and he was really upset about it. And this was on a Sunday. So just out of the blue, he pipes up and says, so-and-so called me a girl. And he had tears in his eyes. And so we started talking about it. I didn't catch the first part of it where he's um, emotional. Obviously, I was tending to his emotions. But then as he kept going on, I thought that it was a great opportunity to record for my own benefit just to capture him like I always do. But also to and then after that realized that it was something that I would like to share because I love the reframe that he makes on this and I think he offers some uh, good suggestions for what we can do to shift it okay have a listen we should change the rules oh change the rules yeah yeah what do you think the rules should be Are you writing the new rules? Writing about changing the rules. You're writing about changing the rules? That's a great idea. And send this book to a world. You're going to share the book with the world? Yeah. That's a great I idea. Send it. You're going to send it to the world? Yeah. Can you tell me what the new rules are? It says it. Saying the rules, go back to normal, make boys. Make boys wear dresses. <laughs> make boys wear dresses? That's I a want good. you to sing the words so we can have more fun things to say. But that doesn't make fair. What doesn't make fair? It you it you only girls can wear 
I know, it's not fair. So remember, I didn't Save say... the rules. Yeah, I didn't say only girls can wear dresses, but some people think that. I don't think that. Some people think it, and they do not say the rules. Yeah, we need can to change how people think. Saying lip peas and lip people and pit signs up and pit posters up so nobody, so, so people, so people think that's not right. Right. So what would the posters say? A poster would say, Sing the rules right now, please, can you? Okay. But that doesn't make sense. But if you keep doing that, we're going to talk to a person to make this world. Who made the rule? And you are going to go right back to how it works. And you're going to go sing the word all by yourself without even having any help. You change the world without having any help. Any help. Who's changing the world? You or me or other people? Well, like other people who are girls. Who are girls? And, and, and only wear dresses. And only what? Wear dresses. Only girls... Girls who only wear dresses yeah. are going to change the rules? Yeah, it's what it says. Right. That's what your letter says? Yeah. So you have to say the rules by yourself. The girls who wear dresses. Yeah. So are they going to change the rules so that they can let other people wear dresses? Is that yeah. how it's going to work? Yeah. What do you think that they sh- those girls should do? Say the rules and make it back. How? Put it back to how it used to be? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think that the best way to change the rules is? So no, so everybody has to sing it without having any help. So a world becomes famous. The world becomes famous. Mm. So after listening again to what the solution was. Uh, or the suggested solution was to uh, letting boys wear dresses, um, I I misheard what he said. And he said, I thought he said the world would become famous, but he actually said the rule would become famous. And that's not a bad idea. And I love the idea of putting up posters and writing letters and all of that. And I will also like to say that I didn't push for this. Was very impressed with the social activism that arose during this conversation. So, anyway, thanks for listening to Mandy Land. And uh, yeah, if you like this, then let me know um, or share it. Or and if you didn't like this, let me know. I, I actually love controversy, so if you have a differing opinion, then please share it. But I also really like positive encouragement and reinforcement. So either way, let me know. Bye.